0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380. And streaming live on the internet at wnri.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com, covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now Revolution Recap with your host Sean Donahue.
2: Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue. Joined today in the studio by Brian O'Connell of RevsNet.com. Uh, a lot happened over the past week, and the playoff picture finally came into view. Uh, who's going to be heading into the playoffs? Who didn't make it? The Revolution finishing off the season with a kind of a disappointing 2 2 draw with Toronto FC. Uh, the Revs have struggled over the past three weeks, uh, lost two games, and then tied this match after going up with a 2 0 lead. Uh, the Revs started the match off very well. Uh, c- Toronto didn't really seem like scoring. Uh, Michael Parker scored an incredible goal <laughs> right before the halftime there uh, from midfield, his first ever career MLS shot, 60 yards out, uh, and beats the keeper and gets his first ever MLS goal. Uh, very impressive of him. Two minutes after after halftime, Taylor Twelman uh, doubled that score. The Reds seemed to be cruising at... That that really is a blow to a team to go in right before halftime down a goal, and then right after it go down another goal there. Uh, but Toronto, to their credit, really fought back. Colin Samuel uh, brought him back within one in the 59th minute uh, off another kind of bad defensive play from the Revs there. They gave him way too much time there. Uh, Maurice Du finally got off a shot, hit off the post. Uh, the Revs couldn't beat him to the rebound, and Colin Samuel put it away. And, and then in the 92nd minute, Danny Dicchio scored really an incredible goal himself, another candidate for goal of the year there. But disappointing is to the Revs with a two to nothing lead right before the playoffs, not being able to hold on to it.
3: Yeah, and um, you know it's it's it all goes back to allowing that you know last last, you know end of the end of the match goal where you know they seem to have the game in hand, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, you know the opponent comes back and just scores really a heartbreaking goal. I mean, I know that Dickyo goal was kind of like a circus goal right there, and you know it's tough. It's 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 tough to blame it on the Revs backs entirely because it was such a crazy goal. Um, But again, it's it's just disheartening to see the revs let up another late goal that you know looks like they're ready for you know looks like they're going to go in with three points and then all of a sudden diccio just kind of flops his foot at that ball and just goes right in right over uh, right over reese so yeah it's disheartening because they they just seem to lose in that kind of fashion it's not you know it's not getting beat early it's getting beat late that just has has really really you know just made, made things tough for them
2: and you gotta wonder about the uh, tactics there that uh Steve neville took as far as uh substituting in uh, james riley into the match to make it more defensive uh, bring in, bring, kind of changing the lineup to a four-four-two late in the game, where the team seems to work so well on a three-five-two In the past, where the Rebs have been so good at holding leads, he didn't really feel the need to change up those tactics uh, in those matches. And this year, even to start of the season, they didn't do that, but they were having troubles, trouble holding on to the lead this year pr- pretty much throughout the entire second half of the season. Uh, Nickel Moore recently has started to make the change of bringing in a, you know, an extra defender late in the game, that doesn't seem to be the answer either.
3: Yeah, and it, I and like you had mentioned the uh, the substitute when they when he put in Riley for uh, for Cono Smith, it was just you know I think even Greg uh, Greg Lawless and Brad Feldman commented saying why why don't they just put him back and, instead of taking uh, instead of taking Cono's, uh, Cono's uh, spot over in the midfield because you know I was thinking the same thing it's like you know you're you're nursing a one goal lead your team is notorious for giving up the last-minute goal, uh, you know, end-of-the-match goals. And, you know, why, why would you put him in the midfield instead of, you know, dropping him back? It's just, you know, I, I, I don't know.
2: <laughs> instead, they bring Steve Ralston to the back, who who's so good at holding the ball up uh, in the midfield there. And that makes it even harder on the defense if they don't have Ralston in the midfield. You know, the guy who, throughout the entire match and throughout the entire season has been such a catalyst for the Revolution offense, as well as slowing the play down, holding the ball up, you know, keeping possession for the revs. Moving him to the back line, you kind of lose that from the midfield, which is, you know, another questionable decision.
3: Yeah, and and it just goes back to, you know, I know that Andy Dorman isn't the most, you know, isn't on fire like it was earlier this year, but you have to really wonder, you know, what what is, you know, what 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 are the what's the idea behind having, you know, Dorman sit the bench, you know, the first half, and then, you know, coming on late as a substitute for Wells Thompson. Obviously, you have Wellesley, who is, you know, he's a rookie and he's playing on the right, and you know, kind of taking. Uh, Rale- Raleigh spot, you know, while he plays back, but at the same time, you just have to wonder, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen Dorman come on, like you know, against the team he's had a lot of success against. He scored three goals in this against Toronto this year, and you would have liked to see, you would have liked to have seen him in the in the match, just. If for anything, just to maybe get his confidence back. I mean, whether he scores or not, you know, it's it's just kind of secondary when you're trying to get you know one your second leading scorer, but you know, back back uh, back on the field and having him you know score goals again. So I was very very curious. I, I was you know I I wondered a lot why Nickel would hold you know Dorman back up until you know at, until like the 70th minute where you know he finally brought up, he finally took out Welzy and put in Dorman. So. You know, again, it's. I know he has to show up the de- he has to show up the defending, but at the same time, I would have liked to have seen you know uh, them go back to three five two and actually uh, and have uh, Dorman you know up in the middle and you know Raleigh on the wing, so
2: bring him in a position where the team's still attacking, which is you know, what he's been so good at, and putting the pressure on the Toronto defense. Uh, would probably be the Revolution's best best defense in these games, keeping them pinned back rather than going into a defensive shell that really hasn't worked for the Revolution this year at all uh, in these matches. And against a team like Toronto that has had so little success this season, uh, it makes it especially disappointing that the Reds weren't able to hold this lead. Uh, next week, going into New York against a strong Red Bulls team with some great attacking flair, uh, it's it's going to be vital that the Reds fix these, fix these defensive problems, if they are to advance in that series.
3: Yeah, and I I, I really wish it, it would have happened yesterday. Um, you know, it would have been a good time. Like you had said, like we had talked about, the Riley for uh, Cono Smith, where, uh, you know, Riley goes back into the midfield instead of going back. Um, you know, I would have liked to seen them, you know, at least solidify the defense late. And then, you know, just, you know, hold on to that 2-1 to one goal, 2-1 uh, to, one, two to one, uh, advantage. So... I mean, you look at that, and you say, you know, yesterday really would have been, you know, the perfect, you know, kind of laboratory to have them, you know, you know, just trying to not not only to respark the uh, offense, but also work on the D. So, um, again, it's tough uh, that Dick uh, that Dickie goal was really <laughs> it was a little bit of a fluke, but at the same time, it's nonetheless it's it's a goal, it's another late goal, and I, you know, it can't it can't help the confidence of the of the defend- of the defenders right now.
2: I, I think if anything, they got to be more worried about that first goal they gave up, which is really sloppy by the defense. So, let do hold on to that ball that long and surrounded. By- by three players gets off that shot, and again the revs can't beat uh, can't beat Colin Samuel the rebound there. Uh, where it looked like that a step on him as well. Uh, that, that goal has got to be really disappointing because that's something that they've had problems with throughout the entire season. It seems like similar goals like that recently. We've seen a lot of times where the teams have gotten a rebound uh, off the post and scored, put put it in, beat the defense. So that 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 isn't something that the Red Bulls, who have such great strikers and Josie Altidori, uh, Juan Pablo hell, Clint Mathis off the bench. That's a team that they get a rebound, it's gonna go win, uh, even more so than a team like Toronto.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's something that you know is especially troubling, especially given the fact that uh, you know that the Re- that Re- that the Red Bulls are just you know they like you had said they have out door, they have. They have Juan Pablo on hell. They have you know Mathis off the bench, and even Francis Doe, to a certain point, you know has has been pretty good late. So, uh, you know, I you you give up mistakes like that, and I guarantee you that the uh, Red Bulls will you know take advantage of those and you know put a few put a few in the net, you know, if given the opportunity. So you have to wonder, you know, if the Re- if the Revs have their hands full with the Toronto FC team, what, what you know. Sounds like they're going to be in a lot of trouble if they have to go into New York and they have to face, you know, Angel and and Altador and you know and Mathis off the bench perhaps. So, um, you know, if, if yesterday was a dry one, dry run as far as you know making sure that that doesn't happen, <laughs> the Revs failed in all aspects, you know, against much much lesser squad.
2: There's no doubt the Revs took that match seriously with the substitution pattern they had. None of the inexperienced guys coming in thought maybe the Gambian players might get a chance in that match, uh, late, especially with the Revs out of two to nothing. But uh, instead, it was really the players that have had a lot of a lot of experience. Uh, throughout the season, Chrisman, Riley, Dorman are the subs off the bench in that match. They're all guys that you expect to come off the bench throughout the season or any situation. It shows that the Revs were, were completely looking at this match seriously, looking to build upon it, uh, going into the playoffs. Uh, that didn't happen. They're limping into the playoffs. It's not something we've seen from the Revs uh, over the past few years. We've seen them coming on seven-game unbeaten runs, six-game unbeaten runs, and long unbeaten streaks into the playoffs, really turning it up as they head towards the, the postseason. Uh, this year, that's not the case. Maybe the Reds will be able to switch it back on when it comes in the playoffs, but uh, we'll see. We saw from D.C. last year, even D.C. started off really strong, uh, struggled going into the playoffs. Uh, they were eliminated pretty quickly by the Revolution that and uh, that year. So we'll see what happens uh, this go round with the Revolution of. Uh, not not going into the playoffs with firing on all
3: cylinders. Yeah, and, and you bring up a, a great point as far as DC goes, because last year DC was the team, you know, going, uh, you know, for for the probably the first three quarters of the season, and then they just kind of sputtered towards the end. And granted, they played a one nothing game to uh, to to the Revs that, which the Revs obviously won. Um, but that that's my greatest fear is that you know this momentum that you know we've had in the past just you know it. it if it's, if it's there's a time you need it the most, it's towards the end of the towards the end of the season where you hope to ride that momentum into the playoffs. And I, and I guess you could say even to a certain extent that you know after the revs went five zero and two yesterday uh, last year, <laughs> um, you know uh, as far as that goes. And then in the same you know last seven games this year they've been th- uh, two three and two, you know you you're, you're kind of concerned about what what the state of mind is as far as the whole team goes co- collectively because of the fact that you know it's it's so much it makes the it makes the playoffs so much. I wouldn't say easier but it just makes it less less uh you know less formidable when you're riding a high of you know of you know a, 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 an unbeaten streak as they did last year and this year you know because they have so much sputtered towards the end um you know I'm sure you know the players aren't as confident as they were last year
2: but there are some positives to take from this past week more off the field than on the field if you look at the two uh, resigning players Shari Joseph who at the start of the year looked like they were Little chance that the Rebs are going to be able to re sign him after some of his comments there, disappointed with the offers from the Rebs. Came out of nowhere, really, to see that uh, Joseph re signing with the revs. Usually they hold off to the offseason, it sounded like that would be in the case. And of course, Jay Heaps re signing, a little less of a surprise there. But it's great news that Sharer Joseph's going to be back with the Rebs for the long term future. Uh, I've heard that the deal is till 2011 uh which is really great news for the revolution.
3: Yeah, and I was actually shocked by that too when I got the uh when I got the notice that it was heaps in, and and then Shavi Joseph I was you know I was it kind of took me aback because of the fact that you had mentioned that you know earlier this season there were some discussions as far as some contract hold-ups um you know obviously him wanting to make a little bit more money I didn't know the what the exact figure was but um obviously it proves enough to be uh to, uh to be a much enough of a sticking point to where um, to where Nicol actually, before he appointed him captain, Shauri said that, you know, I, I don't want to be captain because in light of the fact that I do have these contract you know struggles going on right now. So, um, you know, it's, it's great to see Shauri coming back for the long term. Uh, you know, I hope he got what, he, what what he asked for so that he's happy here and that, you know, something like what happened earlier this year doesn't happen again. Um, and of course, like like you said jay heaps that was that was kind of expected, but uh the big news was that you know shaavi Joseph coming back being here for the uh, foreseeable futures is really a good thing for the continued success of the of the team going into uh, the next few years
2: and Looking again at the uh, playoff picture with the Revs heading in, uh, we should mention that the Red Bulls certainly are having their struggles themselves. One win in their last seven matches.
4: Hmm.
2: They're, they're another team that's going to have to you know, pick things up towards the playoffs. So the Revs are having their struggles, but they're not the only team certainly heading yeah. into the playoffs.
3: Yeah, and uh, <laughs> thank God for that because you know, and again, it all boils it all boils down to you know riding the most momentum, and it would I would be a lot more fearsome of of Red Bull than uh, you know than I would be if it, if it were if they we were riding, you know, uh, uh, you know, an unbeaten streak like the Revs were last year and the year before. So, um, you know, it's 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 something that is encouraging. It, you know, uh, I guess you could say that, you know, it be- better them than us. So, um, you know, hopefully the Revs take advantage of that and you know score some goals early and don't allow some go- goals late. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens come, come Sunday and, and they go over to uh, New York and uh, try and shut down hell and, um, and and Alstor and the whole rest of the uh, Red Bulls.
2: Well, one of these teams' streaks is going to have to change for this uh, <laughs> playoff match the end. Uh, but the, looking at again at the at the overall playoff picture now uh, coming into shape, the Chicago Fire now will take on D.C. United uh, in the other Eastern Conference semifinal matchup uh, where Kansas City switching over to the Western Conference with the new playoff format this year. Uh, they will be taking on the Chivas USA. Houston Dynamo taking on FC Dallas. Uh, some really strong teams making the playoffs. The Los Angeles Galaxy today came in against the Chicago Fire with a chance of making it. They would have had to have won the match. Uh, in the 92nd minute, Chicago scored a goal that uh, that both kept Chicago in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. Left frog, uh, they le- leapfrogged over the Kansas City Wizards and kept Los Angeles out of the playoff picture. Colorado Rapids had a chance of making the playoffs. All they needed to do was win yesterday uh, to, to have a shot at the playoffs. That didn't happen. They, they actually played at home against a real Salt Lake team that had nothing to play for. Salt Lake came away with the win there. Uh, that's a really inconsistent Colorado team that they can't beat a team with nothing to play for at home. Uh, with their spot on the playoffs on the line. Uh, But I I guess that's a good thing for the playoffs as far as going going a team like Colorado. Maybe not the most exciting team uh, to watch uh, in the postseason. But uh, some very interesting matchups coming up. Of course, Houston-Dallas a big one to watch. Uh, QS-USA, Kansas City, two teams with some very strong attacking uh, players. That should be another very interesting series to watch. D.C.-Chicago, I think that might be a matchup that looks good for Revs fans, because Chicago, I think, has a chance to upset D.C. United the way they've been playing with Blanco, uh, Juan Trope coming in. Uh, John Thorrington today playing off the bench. Uh, it's just the second match of the season. Looked... Uh, Very strong scoring the game winner. They're a team that's actually picked things up as the season has gone on. Maybe a team that could upset D.C., uh, and if the Revolution advance, give them a chance to play at home in the Eastern Conference Final rather than traveling to D.C.
3: That would be preferable. Um, Yeah, and like you mentioned, uh, D.C. uh, DC getting upset by Chicago today. And, you know, just, uh, you know, I... For whatever reason, you know, you, you, I, you would think that because of the fact that, you know, DC, uh, knew that they would probably, that they were going to have to face, you know, more than likely have to face Chicago with, if Chicago won, you know, they'd be playing a little bit tougher. So at the same time, you know, it, it's great, it's great momentum for, it's great momentum for Chicago. Um, you know, DC, I'm sure was a little bit taken aback by the results. Uh, scoring three goals against, I mean, scoring three goals against DC isn't, you know, it's, it's nothing to laugh at. I mean, and I know that Chicago is going to go into the playoffs. You know, against DC, and hope, with with the hopes of uh, of an upset, and with the confidence of just having them having beaten them, that they they are more than capable of doing so. So, um, that other than the Red Bulls and, and Revs, that's that's probably the the other series that I'm going to keep my eye on, just to see you know what what how how things shake up right there, because that could that could prove to be a very very interesting series between DC and in uh, Chicago.
2: And interesting. Interesting that DC did lose three to nothing to the three to two to Columbus Crew today. That makes the Revolution's loss to Columbus uh, not look as bad because in that game the Columbus still had something to play for. This game Columbus had absolutely nothing to play for. <laughs> uh, DC again in the home team of that match and playing a pretty strong lineup. Uh, they have rested Ben Olsen, but otherwise really their first choice lineup there. Uh, so a bit of a surprising result. Several surprising results that along with the uh, Salt Lake win over Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, an interesting weekend uh, heading towards the postseason. We are going to take a quick break here, though, and we'll be back uh, in just a couple minutes, and we'll have Kyle McCarthy, writer for Goal.com and MLS. MLSnet.com over the phone.
1: Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com, covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380.
2: Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in studio by Brian O'Connell of revsnet.com. Now over the phone, we're joined by Kyle McCarthy, writer for gold.com and mlsnet.com. Kyle, can you hear me?
0: Hi, Sean. How's it going?
2: Good. How are you doing today?
0: Good, thanks.
3: Thanks a lot for joining us today.
0: Hey, anytime. How you doing, Brian?
3: How's it going, Kyle?
2: Very well, thanks. All right. Um, looking at this weekend, there's some very interesting results going in. Uh, obviously, we knew the Revs would be facing the Red Bulls, uh, but Chicago coming up, and now they'll be heading heading to play D.C. as opposed to Kansas City. Uh, Los Angeles not making the playoffs, Colorado falling short. What do you see for this postseason? Do the Revs have a chance to make it to the Cup Final if things are going to work out their way? Do you think uh, Chicago could possibly upset D.C.?
0: You know, you know from a Revolution standpoint, I, I think, yes, you can definitely say that they can make... Um, MLS Cup. I mean, it's the playoffs. Anything can happen. Colorado played in the Western Conference Finals last year. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, I, I think it, it, it's all going to depend. I, I think Chicago's in a decent run of form. They got a, a good win today, had a good performance. Um, D.C.'s been struggling a little bit with with injuries, and Moreno picked up a knock last night. And You know, it, it, who knows? Um, I, I just know it's going to be interesting.
2: Well, what do you see from the Revolution? Obviously, disappointing performance from them last night against uh, Toronto, uh, coming coming with a two two nothing lead right after halftime, uh, and, and then losing and then tying two to two against the Toronto side that's really been struggling. Do you think they'll get their act together? Obviously, in New York, they're facing a team that has won one game in their last seven matches. Uh, these are two teams that are, are both hanging into the playoffs, kind of limping into the playoffs. Uh, which of these sides is going to get it together?
0: You know, uh, I. From a revolution perspective, I, I feel like any time that you get to face New York, it's a happy time. Um, <laughs> New England seems to have the Red Bulls' number for the most part, and the Red Bulls have significant problems on the defensive side of the ball uh, that New England should be able to exploit offensively. Um, New England, in terms of its defense, has really struggled over the last three games, given up double-digit, uh, not double-digit, but uh, two-goal leads in the past three contests. Um, you know, that, that's worrying uh, from a Revolution perspective. Um, but you got to feel like that New England's going to have enough to get past New York in the first round, especially given New York's insipid run of form lately.
2: Well, were you surprised uh, with the other news from the Revolution this week? Shari Joseph signing Seems like a, a strange time as far as how the Revolution usually do uh, contract deals, especially with uh, the way Joseph had been talking at the beginning of the season.
0: You know, I, I think... They've been trying to get it done for most of the season, and they let it sit for a while during the middle part um, of the campaign. But you know, coming towards the end of the season, and with Joseph being able to explore European options, you know, it, it made a lot of sense to get that deal done. It's a positive for the team going into the playoffs, and you've also got Jay Heaps resigning. So I, I think from a New England perspective, if you're able to get this done now and be able to announce it, you know, it, it can help the team morale a little bit.
2: Were you surprised at all by the Revolution strategy in that last game of the season against Toronto? Uh, Really putting it all on the line there, bringing the experienced subs and not really giving chances to maybe a guy like uh, Mansali or or Do you think that was the right strategy to go with heading into the playoffs? It seems like uh, some of the other teams might have taken their foot off the gas a little bit in this last game.
0: Well, you know, Steve Nichol never prefers to take his foot off the gas um, in terms of playing inexperienced guys. And and I think there's some credence uh, to that because those guys are probably not going to show up in the playoffs. I mean, you know at this point that New England's got 13 or 14 guys who they can play, and that that's what you're going with. So from Nichols' perspective, I completely understand it. Uh, but also, that being said, it, you can't really read anything into that game yesterday because, I, I mean, it's just a meaningless end of
3: the season game i mean neither team had anything to play for hey, Kyle, i just want to ask you uh, a question i just want to get your take on the whole annie dormant situation with him uh you know really being relegated to the bench for the last few games um you know do you think it's more so uh do you think it's more so nickel you know just trying to shore up the defense uh you know opening in the four four two, or do you think it's more of uh more of just a, a reflection of you know uh annie's annie's lack of success the second half of the season
0: uh, Brian, I think a, a lot of that has to do with Dorman's form um, in terms of its consistency. He's just not um, really shown much in the way of consistent form, um, as you said, over the second half of the season. And, you know, I think they like what Wells can bring on the outside. He's got a lot of pace, and Dorman doesn't really fit as well out there. I mean, if you're not going to play him in the attacking midfield role, you're going to probably have to slide him in the Laurentiwitz's spot, and you can't get... Uh, Kaiser out of that spot right now, so you know I, I think it makes some sense for me. I think you need Andy Dorman on the field. I, I think Dorman in Ralston is better than Thompson in Ralston. But I mean, you've also got to credit Steve Ralston's form as part of the reason why Nickel was able to make this sort of move. Well,
2: looking at Dorman again, I know in your on uh, your blog on Goal.com when you talked about uh, Joseph resigning. Uh, you mentioned Dorman, who, whose deal it sounds like is up at the end of the season. Uh, do you think he's going to be a guy that's going to be back next year, looking at his form and also looking at his current contract and uh, the options he has to play overseas, uh, having that nationality in English?
0: You know, uh, you know, I said that on my blog, and, I, and I, it still holds true. I think Dorman will be back. I think they'll get something done. Um, I, I think that Dorman really likes the area. I think he's got some ties here. Um, you know, he would be foolish not to explore the English options if he can go over there and he's willing to, you know, move shop. Um, but on the other hand, you know, I think Dorman really likes the area and I think he wants to stay if he can. And you, you've noticed the pattern that aside from Clint Dempsey, people who have been here have stayed here. So you want, you tend to think that Dorman will stay, but it, it all depends on the money.
2: The, the other thing with uh, Dorman being benched, uh, and also looking at Toronto game with uh, James Riley going to the bench after his his starts, kind of getting the change the defense there. Uh, n- with Nichols lineup, it seems like a lot of players have had their spots secure over these past few years. No real competition. Do you think that's another move that uh, Nichols kind of looked at in the back of his mind? We're making these changes, bringing out Dorman out of the lineup, bringing Riley back out of the lineup, uh, kind of making people think that you know there is some competition for these spots and maybe let some fires go on in the playoff.
0: You know, I don't think there's much in the way of competition for many spots on the field. I think, I think Riley is the the clear second choice at left back at this point. I think Nickel took about half a season to figure out who he actually wanted out there at left back and decided that Avery John was his guy. Um, you know, I think Riley's nice to have his cover on the bench because he can come in play on the left. Or actually, I feel like he plays better on the right. Um, in terms of Dorman, I think it's a form thing and. One of the guys that he could bring in was Thompson, and you know he can rearrange his lineup so he can make it work all right. So uh, I, I think it's less to do with competition for places and more to do with getting back to to where Nickel wants to be in terms of form.
2: Well, what do you think as far as Nickel's lineup changes uh, late in the match, trying to hold on to these leads that uh, he seems to have done more often recently than uh, in the past, kind of switching to a 4-4-2, bringing Ralston back, uh, who, as I mentioned earlier, is really good at holding the ball up in the midfield uh, late in these games and switching to that 4-4-2, he brought in Riley kind of to play left midfield, which uh, he didn't seem too comfortable in And that Toronto match, but is that something that you think will stick with him the playoffs, kind of going to the defensive shape, uh, bringing back a guy like Ross into the defense, and maybe making Jay Heaps play with a little out of position in the, in the uh, center of the defense?
0: You know, I, I think it's going to be a, a touch-and-go, wait-and-see sort of thing. I, I mean, it it all depends on the personnel you can get on the field. I don't think James Riley's a midfielder by any stretch of the imagination. I do think um, that bringing Steve Rawson into the defensive posture can be very helpful. Um, but then you're going to want to see Pat Noonan in midfield to help hold the ball up a little bit more. Um, you know, I honestly don't know where he's going to go with it uh, in the postseason, and you know, he's got some options. And I think if the team had shown that they could hold late leads, that there wouldn't be all this tinkering.
2: And then going forward into the uh, Red Bull matchup, uh, what do you think the Revs have to do to come out of this uh, with the victory? As you mentioned, the Reds have had a lot of success against the Red Bulls. Uh, but this is a Red Bull team uh, with their defensive problems, as you said, but also with a, a lot of attacking options.
0: You know, I think Michael Parkhurst is your key guy. And so often, as he is for New England, he he's really going to be the focal point defensively he's going to have to be the one to do most of the yeoman's work and, and keep on out of the game you know and if you can if you can limit what on hell does um it really blunts a lot of the red bulls attack and i, I don't think that the Rev, the red bull back line can withstand um the new england offensive pressure i just i just can't see it with the way that they're presently constituted
2: in, in the other playoff series with Chicago and D.C., uh, should the Reds advance, who do you think is going to be uh, their opponents in that Eastern Conference Final?
0: You know, I think D.C. has too much for Chicago. I think Chicago's done very well to get to the playoffs. Uh, but with that being said, uh, Chicago has the best player on the field. And when one of the teams has the best player on the field, you know, I, I'm hesitant to go against that team in the playoffs, in this sort of situation. So I think D.C. is going to have enough, but Blanco always gives Chicago a chance.
2: <laughs> and overall, with the uh, playoffs coming up, if looking at the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, Houston Dynamo, FC Dallas, obviously a big rivalry there in the West. Uh, Chiefs USA, Kansas City, interesting to see Kansas City over in the Western Conference for the playoffs. The uh, first time the league has done that, uh, that change there with the new format, Uh, Overall, if you had to pick Who do you think looks strongest Going into this playoffs And best shot at winning the the cup?
0: Uh, Best chance to win You know, honestly I can't pick one team out right now I mean, the form in the past three weeks Has just been all over the place It's difficult to really say I mean, out of the Western Conference I like Houston I think they're probably the best team And I, I don't rate FC Dallas at all Um and I don't think either Kansas City or Chivas has enough to defeat Houston. In the East, I mean, it's going to come down to D.C. and New England like it always does. And I think whoever wins the East will probably win it. All
2: right. I've got just a few seconds left here, but before I let you go, uh, what, what do you have upcoming for uh, uh, as far as the, the blog on Goal.com and your writing on MLSnet?
0: Well, you know, with the playoffs start, we're going to try and ramp it up. The, the blog has been... You know, probably two or three times a week and we'll continue that going on and with MLS Net I'm gonna be um I'm gonna be at all the revolution playoff games and I'm planning to be at MLS Cup this year, so there's gonna be plenty of fresh content for everybody to check out in the next couple of weeks. Should be exciting.
2: Well thanks a lot for joining us today and keep up the great work.
0: Appreciate it, Sean.
2: Have a good one. Thanks, and, um, Kyle. That was uh, Kyle McCarthy, writer for uh, MLSNet.com and gold.com. Uh, talking about the upcoming Revolution playoff match. Should mention that Revolution game is taking place on Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Uh, in New York. Of course, there is one match preceding that, as far as the playoffs goes. D.C. United-Chicago match taking place on Thursday, October 25th. Uh, I'm going to guess that's going to be on ESPN, too, but uh, that, nothing's been decided as far as that yet. Uh, but with a Thursday game, kind of assume that's where it will be. Uh, and then, of course, on Sunday, on uh, actually on Thursday, October 25th, um, just. Actually, they haven't picked the dates for these ones yet. The schedule's confusing me there a little bit. They got Chiefs USA, FC Dallas, Chiefs USA, and Kansas City Wizards playing, and Houston Dynamo and FC Dallas. Uh, I assume those dates will be not shortly heading into the playoffs. Uh, but we are going to take another quick break here, and then we'll be back with uh, Mark Connolly, writer for USSoccerPlayers.com and Gold.com. <laughs>
4: we yeah.
1: Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com, covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Sean Donahue, joined today in the studio
2: by Brian O'Connell. Having a little trouble getting a hold of Mark Connolly, but we'll have him on uh, as soon as we get in touch with him. Uh, again, looking at the Revolution, I mean the playoff picture. Talked about the Revs a little bit. Uh, as far as what what is your opinion on this matchup? Do you think the Revs have what it takes to come out of it on top?
3: I hope they do. The only thing that I'm a little concerned about is that you know this year we've fared. You know the first the first match we played was in one nothing, and obviously that could have gone uh, either way. Um, and then the second match at Gillette uh, was two one, but uh, you know uh, let's not forget that that second that second goal was in an own goal. Uh, you know so that could have that that should have really ended one to one and then again we tied them 2 to 2 late in September so you know it's going to be tough. I know that. You know Red Bull does show up against us, so you know it's, you know I'm I'm optimistic about it, but at the same time I'm also I also know that you know you know Red Bull will give us a good fight and they'll they'll definitely play us tough. You know outside of Chicago, I think they play us as far as these Conference go. You know outside of Chicago, you know with the exception of you know DC, I think they play us very very well. You know no matter what their record is, because you know there was a time which you know they were very mediocre themselves, and you know I I. I expect a very, I expect a, you know a challenge from them, you know, despite their recent woes.
2: And they've had a lot of bad luck uh, against the Revolution as well as I think you mentioned the the own goal they <laughs> scored there. Uh, really, their record against the Revolution isn't good, but it's a lot of it's down to some really horrendous luck they've had against uh, the Revolution in these games. Uh, unfortunate incidents that have caused them have cost them uh, the matches. Uh, if, if they can get their act together. Uh, which they haven't done yet, as I mentioned, with the one one win in seven matches, not not how you want to be going into the playoffs. But if they can get their act together, their team that can cause the Braves a lot of problems.
3: Oh yeah, definitely. And like like Kyle has said, anything can happen in the playoffs, and you know you know it's just there's it, it no truer statement than that. You really can't predict, you know, what, what you're going to get in the playoffs. So, you know, it'll be an interesting match. Um, obviously, I'd like to see them, you know, pull ahead with the uh, goal advantage after the first game and uh, hopefully take a, take a one or two goal advantage going into Foxborough in two weeks.
2: It looks like now we do have uh, Mark Connolly joining us over the phone. Mark, can you hear me? Yes. How are you, Sean? Good. Thanks a lot for joining us today.
4: Yeah, good to be here.
2: Uh, we were just talking about the Revolution matchup, but there's a lot of other interesting matchups going on throughout the uh, league as well in this playoffs. uh The Houston FC Dallas Texas matchup there, uh, Chivas USA facing Kansas City, and, of course, D.C. United facing the Chicago Fire. Uh, what do you see for this upcoming playoffs? What are some of the uh, things to look forward to? Uh, and who do you see eventually coming out on top?
4: Well, I, I think you just touched upon a, a couple of great matchups. I think FC Dallas-Houston. Um, I was saying earlier today to somebody that, you know, if you'd asked me back in July, they the best teams in the league, those were the two teams that would have come off my tongue is, is FC Dallas and Houston. FC Dallas dropped off a little bit. Um, Houston's just always steady. I mean, it's the same thing, uh we've been seeing for years, you know, going all the way back to when there were the earthquakes. I think that's going to be one heck of a series. Um, I think that Chicago is peaking at the right time. They've taken time to get to know Juan Osorio, uh, to get Blanco involved, and have Chris Roth come back, which is also a huge key. I think that's a team that could beat D.C. United. And I, I tell you what, if they get past D.C. United, I wouldn't pick against them. I, I feel like Chicago could really throw a wrench in this whole thing. And uh, I'm not going to necessarily pick them to win it, but I could see a scenario where they come out of the East. Um, I think if I was going to have to pick somebody with a gun in my head right now, um, I would go to Houston just because I like the experience. Uh, I like the calmness in that team. They've done it before. A lot of big game players. I love Dom Kinnear as a coach. I feel like he'll have them ready. Uh, and they're going to be battle-tested after this first series against FC Dallas. So, so I would go to Houston right now. And, and just to, for fun, I'll throw Chicago as being the representative from the East. You talked about
2: the form of Dallas lately being uh, some of the inconsistencies they've had. Uh, they're not the only team going into the playoffs with these problems. New York, as we mentioned, uh, having some struggles. The Revs having some struggles heading into the playoffs. Uh, are, these, are these three teams teams that are going to be able to pick it up uh, when they
4: need to going into this, these playoff series? Well, it's interesting because you, know, you look at New York, and and just like in any other sport when it comes down to experience. Um, you know, you have a guy like Chris Arena on the sideline who, who's been to World Cups, who's not going to be overwhelmed by this sort of situation. And the same thing goes for his star players. I just don't think New York has enough. I think they've had trouble in the back defensively. I don't think they've ever really established a set lineup due to injuries, especially the Claudio Reyna. Um I think it's messed with them. They never were able to really figure out a center-back pairing that worked. Um, and I, I think that all these forces have come together at the long time for them. I think that they're getting a bad matchup against the Revolution, the Revolution. are um, They're used to winning these games, uh, and they, I think, just have a psychological edge over the Red Bulls. Um, and despite what happened up in Toronto, um, I think that the Revolution, that, if I had to pick the one series that I think is the sure thing in this entire playoffs I think it's the Revolution getting by the Red Bulls. Uh, and then the other team you mentioned, I mean, FC Dallas being up and down, I still think they have enough there, but uh, you know, again, they're having to run into a buzzsaw in Houston, which you know I feel like will just kind of turn it on in the playoffs the way they've done, you know, many of these years. And
2: going over the uh, the final weekend of the regular season here, uh, a lot a lot of upsets going on, but a lot of teams that aren't playing for much. Uh, however, we saw a Colorado Rapids team that had a lot to play for against the Salt Lake team that really didn't, uh, losing that matchup. Uh, the Los Angeles Galaxy who have been on such a good streak lately, six six games unbeaten going into that matchup. Uh, they came out really flat against Chicago. Uh, were you surprised at all by that match today? Uh, seeing seeing a team in Los Angeles that has done so well lately really never really get going against Chicago.
4: I am, only because that had been the great thing about watching the Galaxy lately. Uh, they would come out flying around, it seems. I mean, Landon Donovan at, at times, in the other night against the Red Bulls, and even in that tie, I mean, he was... He looked as quick as I've ever seen him. He was covering so much ground. Um, they just seem to have a lot of energy within the team. You know, today I, I didn't get to see the entire game. I had to coach. Uh, actually, I was getting text messages from from Greg Wallace, of all people, telling me. Uh, you know, I get one text message while I'm on the field saying Beckham's in. Okay, Beckham serves in free, you know free kick and you know and then ultimately that they lost. But um, it, you can only go so far <laughs> when you, you've made. You know, just such a push to get to the playoffs. Um, maybe if that game's at home and they have the energy of the home crowd, it's different. But, you know, Bridgeview has really picked it up in the past couple months, ever since Blanco got there, as far as just packing that stadium and, and really making it a great environment. And uh, I think that's been one of the great parts of the second half of the season, the it's really come alive in Bridgeview, and uh, that's one again one of the reasons why I feel like Chicago is, is just in a nice place right now. And, and why they're going to, you know, they can cause
2: some damage in this playoffs. Well, you mentioned Los Angeles game on uh, on Thursday night against the Red Bulls. Uh, that's got to be you know a, a factor into that into that matchup as well. Uh, not having as much rest as Chicago and traveling uh, back and forth across country really they've had a ridiculous schedule to end the season with all those midweek games that's going to be something that the league looks at going
4: into next year uh it, it has to be it, it has to be you're right i mean they were put under such tough conditions um it was very tough i mean i, I had a chance to travel a couple of times and be around the galaxy and around their players and you know they, they would privately tell you about just how difficult it had been um and i got to see that firsthand a little bit and it's just it was really unfair what the league did to them. Um, I don't blame the league for trying to accommodate uh, different teams for Beckham, but I think they went a little bit overboard, and I think it's a mistake they won't do in the future. Well,
2: what do you see from that Galaxy team, who's obviously going to be very disappointed make the playoffs with the investments they've made in that team this year? Uh, is, is a guy like Xavier who's been benched recently going to come back? Are, are they going to even be able to keep Landon Donovan, uh, or are they going to go after somebody else as a designated player?
4: I want to tell you what, it, it's kind of gone back and forth. I mean, I, I would have told you earlier in the season that, that Yallop was underachieving, but I tell you what, with the injuries they've had and the schedule they've had, I feel like Frank has done a very good job there. Um, he's done it with a lot of these no-name players that, frankly, don't have a lot of talent. And I, I don't see a lot of talent on that roster. I think it's going to be a, a big change. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of new players that come in. Um, I think Abelzari should come back. I think he's somebody that uh, from talking to people on that team, you know, he's someone that's been a very good influence in that locker room. You know, the injury has kind of hurt him a little bit, and that, that kind of got in his way of uh, coming back here in the end, but I think he's somebody that they should try to bring back. Um, Donovan, I'd love to see the league figure out a way um, to fix this designated players situation. You know, perhaps uh, you know, I was talking to JPL on camera the other day, he had a very sensible plan that other people may have come up with but I just hadn't heard it where they grandfather it in where if you are an American player, you don't have to count as a designated player and then that would take away Claudio Reina, it'd take away Landon, it would take away any possibilities with say Eddie Johnson. Um, I think that'd be a great plan to put in place rather than give each player each team another designated player. That would allow LA to be able to keep both Beckham and Donovan. I think that's what the league wants. I think that's what the Galaxy wants. And I feel like, one way or another, the league's going to make something happen in this offseason so that those two do stay together.
3: Mark, it's something that you... Uh, this is Brian O'Connell from uh, revsnet.com. I hey, wanted, Brian. I just wanted to ask you, uh, you know, touching upon the uh, DPA issue... Um, I forget who exactly was the writer of it, but I believe it was on ESPN Soccer Net where they had discussed the uh, idea of expanding the DPAs to two a piece next year. Uh, you know, given the given the, uh, given the success of the Becca move and, uh, and of the Blanco move, um, you know, and obviously we had just talked about you know maybe grandfathering in that that um, that that allocation. Uh, yeah. role to the American players. Um, you know, it just seems to me that, you know, maybe adding that second DPA for each team, you know, there really was only like five DPAs and, you know, two of them, you know, two of them were in uh, New York. And, you know, for the most part, I, it just seems like, you know, the I, I, the league may be rushing a little too much with uh, adding that second DPA for next year. Um, you know, may, I, do you see, if that if that's the case, do you see L.A. using another DPA to possibly bring somebody else in, um, you know, should should they uh, should they be able to grandfather in Landon Donovan?
4: Well, I agree with you, Brian. I don't think that the league should expand it, too. I think they should do, kind of like something I, I had just said, where, yeah, maybe an American doesn't count under that, being an American league. Um, that would, you know, get a couple of these players out of that situation. I, I'd be all for that. Um, I don't think that, I think by going to two designated players per team makes a you know, competitive uh, advantage for L.A., for New York, you know, maybe even Chicago now, um, because Kansas City's not going to use two. They may not even use one. Um, I don't know if Real Salt Lake would be able to use two or Columbus would be able to add another. So, yeah, I, I would not like to see that. Um, I like the way it is where you can trade for a designated player because then if you decide to bring one on, at least another team – you know, get some value for their designated player slot if they're not going to use it. I like that. Um, I thought that Chivas USA, I thought it was very interesting last year when they traded their slot and they weren't going to use it to get Amado Guevara. And even though Guevara did not work out for them, I thought that was a shrewd move at the time. Uh, Bob Bradley was still there to trade that slot and get some value from it. I do like that. But um, as far as uh, expanding to 2 now. I wouldn't like it. And, and then, Brian, for your last point with L.A., I think that they are going... Again, I'm going on the premise that the league is going to make something available that makes Donovan be grandfathered, and then I think L.A. will go after a big, big name. I think it'll be a Raquel May. I think it'll be...
2: I guess we lost them there uh, over the phone. I guess we'll try to we try to get him back. Uh, it's interesting that he talked about uh, Chivas, and they're trading the designated player. Uh, t- talking about that, that trade there. Uh, now Chivas is talking about wanting to bring in a designated player. I think that they've seen what what the impact Beckham has had uh, on the Galaxy. But obviously, their attendance is doing great. Uh, Chios' attendance is down this year, uh, over 2,000 below the league average. Uh, now they're talking about bringing in a guy like Ronaldo. They have a, they, uh, Antonio Q, their uh, owner, has talked about having a a list of ten players, a short list of Mm ten players he'd like to bring in. (laughs) Uh, With Ronaldo spearheading that list, don't know how realistic he's looking at with these players, but uh, certainly, that's something that could help out a Los Angeles team that's done so well in Chivas, but really hasn't gotten any of the uh, recognition or fan support that the Los Angeles Galaxy have.
3: Yeah, not at all. And you know, it's it's you know because they both play in the same backyard, you have to they have to be seeing firsthand that you know uh, you know if if, if uh, LA if the Galaxy can do it, why can't we do it? So um, you know, it, it, it'd be great for them to bring it in and then really have you know LA this huge kind of like. Uh, I guess you could call it the unofficial soccer capital uh, of the country and really have Beckham. And if you bring in Ronaldo, I mean, geez, I mean, that's, that's a, uh, that's a recipe for, for success right there. And then to have, obviously, they, they play three games against each other and they have, um, you know, they have that rivalry going on. I mean, can only, only make the, make the, uh, make the competition not only better, but also, you know, give, uh, give more spotlight to the league. And it's done uh, in the spotlight that they've, uh, they've already achieved with Beckham. I can only see it. Helping the league even further, as far as just you know, put, putting the product out there and b- garnering garnering in more fans, and um, you know, just obviously making the sport great uh, even greater as a whole.
2: And then the other designated player related news uh, coming out recently was Louis Louis Figo, the Portuguese uh, star, who I believe is 34 now or 35, <laughs> talked about uh, he was planning to either retire next year uh, or if MLS offered him enough, he would come to MLS. Uh, basically saying that if he doesn't if he doesn't play in MLS next year, he's going to be retired. Uh, I don't know if that's the right option for, you know, if that's a player that the MLS should go after. Obviously, a very big name, someone who's going to attract the fans. Uh, I think he's slowed down a lot in recent years. Still a very good player. Uh, But with the speed of MLS, I'm not sure he's a player that would fit in uh, as well as maybe Beckham has. uh, And with his skill set, and especially with his age going up, uh, and with the attitude that he's going to retire if he doesn't come to MLS, (laughs) Is, is he a guy that... Uh, obviously, uh, as a Revolution fan, uh, he'd be a guy that would bring a lot of fans to the stadium uh, in this area. But is he a guy that you, you think MLS and MLS teams should go after?
3: Well, it's interesting that you man- mentioned speed because you're right. He is 35 and, you know, he just he, he he's not getting any faster. He's definitely he's certainly lost a step. Uh, you know, he's he he's not the Galactico He was the two, uh, four or five years ago, um, you know. Would he be, would he be a, uh, a player I'd like to see come to the revolution? Uh, you know, I would like to see him come, but at the same time, I, I can't see him per- honestly helping the club any more than say, you know, a, a guy, uh, with a little bit more, uh, you know, a little more youth, a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, talent. Um, not to say that Louis Figo isn't talented, but it's just the fact that, you know, his skills have certainly diminished in his age. And, um, uh, obviously, you know, a guy like him would bring in a lot more fans to, uh, to the revolution given the strong Portuguese fan base that, um, that isn't, uh, that is New England. So, um, I would, I would like to see him. But at the same time, um, you know, I honestly, I think, I think we're good as far as that goes. And, um, uh, he would help the league. But at the same time, uh, You know, as far as the actual play goes, uh, you know, uh, any team would be better off served with a younger player, I think.
2: Yeah, there's there's no question in my mind that he would be a a good pickup at the right price uh, for for maybe a year, but I don't I don't see him as a player worth. designated player money at this point unless it's for solely for the fact that he's going to bring in some fans
3: yeah uh, nothing beyond a year honestly like something that you had mentioned nothing beyond a year Uh, you know it'd be a great it'd be a great way to uh, kind of end his career in front of uh, you know in front of you know basically a region that has a lot of Portuguese people here and um, you know it'd be a nice a nice little goodbye to uh, to to a part of the uh, part of the world that he hasn't that he hasn't reached out to quite quite uh, quite as much as he has in Europe so um, from that standpoint it would be great it would be a great marketing move it'd be a great pr move but uh, as far as on the play uh, on the pitch goes um you know uh, i think the Reds are fine the way they are right now
2: i think now we've got mark back on the phone uh, mark and jerry yeah guys sorry about that <laughs> all right no problem uh, we, we were just discussing the uh, other big designated player news out lately uh chivas usa uh, their management obviously making a big statement saying they have a list of 10 players that they really want to go after Uh, Ronaldo, maybe not realistic at this point uh, with him signing with AC Milan. Uh, But do you think that 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 is a direct impact of what they've
4: seen from uh, their their neighbors
2: in the Los Angeles Galaxy and how well they've done uh, with Beckham?
4: Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, I think that that's been one of the great things about the 2007 season. Uh, We've seen it with Blanco. Um, With Blanco, we've seen it both on the field and off. I mean, on the field, he's been excellent. And off the field, he's just created uh, such a buzz around there has made Bridgeview become one of the few really home advantages for a team. Um, and then I think with, with Beckham, I mean, that was just going to be obvious no matter what. Uh, the only really bad designated player signing that really didn't show anything was, was Denilson. But, you know, for the rest of them, I, I think that they were the right moves at the time. Um, I'd love to see Chivas bring in somebody like that that does you know, have a, a worldwide name and, um, you know, some some cachet. And, you know, teams are going to be hard-pressed to find somebody that's going to make as much of an impact as, say, you know, Juan Pablo on Hall this year. Uh, that's going to be the challenge, you know. But, you know, I, I think there are plenty of players over there that, you know, now because they've seen some of their peers come and do it, that will be more likely to come and do it here.
2: And you know, when we were discussing the story about uh, Louis Figo said uh, he'd come to either, either come down less or he's going to retire, uh, depending on the offer, is that the right is that the right type of guy to come down once? Obviously a very popular figure, but uh, does he still have enough left on the field to make an impact?
4: Yeah, yeah, I heard a little bit at the end of what you guys were saying. Um, I still think he does. I, I, I really do. I feel like, and we've seen it a little bit with Juan Pablo Angel, who wasn't exactly tearing up the premiership. But we're talking about a very cultured player who knows how to score and, and just is going to be able to figure things out. And I think that's the same thing with Figo. He's somebody that has just played at such a high level and has been playing against the top level competition in Europe. And it's not as though he has really fallen off to a point where you question whether he can do it anymore. He's just no longer, you know, the world class, you know, top five striker that he once was. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that he's not better than, you know, 95% of these scores in MLS. Uh, so I think given the right situation, I do. I do think he's somebody that, you know, on free kicks and um, if he's getting serves and doesn't have to do a ton of running, I could see him scoring a ton of goals in this league. Like, I really do. I think he's similar to a guy like a Blanco where, you know, it's uh, he's just got so much talent, in his case, in that left foot that uh, he'll make it work in... You know you gotta remember, I mean, you look at somebody like uh, Yuri Jorkaev, who a lot of people were writing off. He came here at thirty eight years old and was absolutely brilliant. I thought. Um I think Figo could make that sort of impact. and you know maybe not be like Luciano Emilio or you know even Juan Pablo on hell and Helen score nineteen or twenty goals, but I see him as somebody that on a good team could really add to them. Yeah.
2: Well, we do how to wrap things up here. just a couple seconds left of the show, but now, but uh, I'd like to thank you a lot for joining us today and uh, if you could quickly tell us about anything yet up- upcoming on either ussoccerplayers.com or goal.com.
4: Yeah, no, at goal.com, yeah, we just have a bunch of playoff picks this week, and uh, I think, think you'll see some pretty surprise um, picks, you know, by by uh, a few of us. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll give a shout out to my, my boys at UMass Lowell. We're 11-2 and two, uh, and um, entering uh, the, the playoffs coming up in the NA10 and. That's mostly going on in my life right now. So, But uh, well, thanks for having me, guys.
2: Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, and keep up the great work. Thanks, Mark.
4: Thank
2: you. And that was Mark Connolly, writer for Goal.com and USSoccerPlayers.com. We do got to wrap things up here. I'd like to thank Brian for joining me today in the studio, uh, and Kyle from uh, also from Goal.com and MLSnet.com for joining us over the phone. Again, the Revolution game this weekend, Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Uh, in New York. That game's going to be on Fox Soccer Channel. Uh, the return leg, November 7th. Uh, at, at Foxborough Stadium. Uh, actually, November 3rd at Foxborough Stadium. Right? I mean, at Gillette Stadium, I should say. Back in at 7.30 at uh, Fox Soccer Channel. Uh, we'll be back next week right here on WNRI AM 1380.
1: 50 years of service to the Blackstone Valley. This is WNRI
4: Woonsocken.